Welcome to Standard Chartered Money Insights, a podcast series by Standard Chartered Bank that brings you market views and insights on the go. Hello, listener, and thank you for joining us today. So we will be releasing our Q2 Global Market Outlook later, later today, titled More Conviction. As a result, we'll be running a five-part mini-series uh, of our Q2 Outlook podcast starting today, which will be released on a daily basis. So please look out for those. Today, I have with me Manpreet Gill to give us his thoughts on why, in a world of seemingly huge uncertainty, the CIO office has more conviction about our outlook. Specifically, we will talk about what history can teach us regarding whether the recent equity market rebound is likely to extend, what is the outlook for China's equity and bond markets? Are higher bond yields a risk or an opportunity for investors? And to what extent are higher oil prices a concern? So Manpreet, let, let's get straight into it. So let's start with the title, More Conviction. So I, I get it that we've seen an 8% rebound in global equities over the past two weeks or so, after obviously a 13% decline before that. But what makes you more confident about the outlook? And is there anything that we can learn about history from history regarding the recent rebound in equities? Hi, hi Steve. Um, well, actually, a lot of our confidence does come from uh, you know looking back at history and placing the current sell-off and the subsequent pullback in perspective. Uh, just to be more specific on that, I mean, we actually compared uh, the current pullback in the S and P as well as several other indices uh, against you know past pullbacks, uh, you know the start of prior Fed hiking cycles. Uh, and how markets have behaved around major geopolitical events. And I think it's interesting in each of those cases that, you know, the pullbacks were uh, temporary and, and in all cases end up being a great buy and dips opportunity. And so far, at least the current pullback seems to be, you know, mirror those two to a large degree. So if you compare the size of past pullbacks, for example, in the 2009 to 2020 bull market, uh, the S&P pullback went anywhere from 10 to 19 percent. Uh, peak to trough, and we saw about 12% on the S&P in the, in the current cycle so far. Uh, it was similar around the start of prior Fed cycles. We've, we've usually seen markets be a little bit volatile in the three months before and after the f- first hike of a rate hiking cycle, but usually that's not interrupted the long-term uptrend. And it's a similar story with geopolitical events where you know, the market impact has usually been relatively short-lived. Uh, the big one, of course, is you know the worries about recession, uh, because that's one change that could potentially pull markets into a much broader, long-lasting and deeper uh, bear market. But when we look at, you know, our own, you know, checklist of recession indicators, there's been a debate about, you know, the the yield curve, uh, especially the 10-year, two-year yield gap. Uh, But even that hasn't gone below zero. And, you know, by and large, none of our other indicators are flashing warning signs. So, So when you pull all of those measures together, you know, the fact that markets have pulled back and yes, they've rebounded to some degree, uh, but that gives us con- much more confidence uh, that is risk reward favors adding risk at this time rather than reducing it. Okay, so that's the sort of global backdrop. Let's come a little bit closer to home. And obviously, China markets have been extremely uh, volatile over the course of the past. Actually, you can go back 12 months, right, for, for certain areas of the market. Um, what's your view here? Is the tide turning? Well, we think it very well could be. Uh, I think it's interesting, again, to start with a long-term perspective that when you think about a preference for Asia-Japan equities, uh, of which Chinese equities are a big part, actually not that much has changed over the past month. We we had the sort of supportive turn in Chinese policy, and if anything, that intensified quite a bit over the past month. Uh, a lot of the pricing, uh, market price suggests there's a lot of pessimism in the price. Uh, 
a lot of Asia is, of course, you know, slowly taking baby steps uh, or more in some cases to emerge from COVID restrictions. And several markets like, like North Asian equities, of course, have a, a significant correlation with the ongoing global recovery. Now, in China, we did have a couple of new setbacks over the past month. We had the unexpected sort of, uh, rise in COVID cases and fears that China would get entangled in the Ukraine conflict. Um, now, because of that, we did trim a little bit of risk. Uh, so we reduced our preference of Chinese, China, Chinese equities within Asia, Japan. But overall, we're still holding on to our, our bullish picture, given we, we still have you know, Asia, Japan as our most preferred region. And the big one for us, of course, is the shift in policy you know, set against how much markets were sold back. After the excessive volatility we got, we got quite some, some fairly strong statements from policymakers, you know, pledging to support uh, the economy. And when you look at you know how oversold markets were, just to add one perspective, the Hang Seng was at one point the most oversold on one measure since 1987. Um, so quite a bit of bad news in the price. Uh, so that's that's on the equity side at least. On the bond side, we're talking about high yield dollar bonds. Uh, the picture is relatively similar. Uh, I think what's common, of course, is that you know market prices are very beaten up, and there's already quite a bit of concern out there in terms of you know what the default cycle could look like. Um, and once again, I think the policy turn is, is quite supportive, though what markets are likely to look for here specifically is measures to support liquidity, you know, access to liquidity, whether that's from banks, from lenders, from the market or, or any other sources, uh, because that's really what you know, holds the potential for turning the tide. So, yes, there's some uncertainty still out there, but the prices are, you know, price, we think, you know, are pricing in quite a bit of pain. So risk reward favors staying invested in our view. Okay, let, let, let's let's develop the bond theme a little bit further, right? So, if we look at the, I'm just looking at the 10-year U.S. government bond yield um, since we published our 2022 outlook. Um, so, the bond yield's up around one percent. Um, so, it's around 1.4 when we published our out 2022 outlook. It's around 2.4 just under now. So, should investors be taking advantage of high yields uh, for income today? Well, we believe they they should be uh, selectively, and I think it comes down to you know taking taking being very specific about where investors are taking on their risks uh, at a broad income level. Absolutely, if I think about multi asset income, you know, for example, yields are are higher uh, than where they were even at the start of the year. Uh, but at one level, we still think it makes sense to uh, avoid taking excessive risk with risk sensitive assets because while the ten year yield is now you know well within the range we expected uh, for uh, you know in the latter part of the year, uh, the risks in our view are still to the upside. So we still have a preference for high yield bonds, uh, you know, in most regions. We have a preference for subordinated financials, floating rate bonds, and we just talked about you know Chinese and Asian dollar bonds. Uh, and the commonality with all these factors is that yes, yields are higher, but they tend to be more sensitive to changes in credit risk rather than U.S. government bond risk. Uh, so we still think that's still a focus. Now, in terms of bonds that are sensitive. Uh, to changes in U.S. government bond yields, uh, we do think there are selective opportunities. And the one specifically we, we think offers an opportunity today is EM dollar government bonds. Now, this is, of course, quite sensitive to changes in U.S. government bond yields, but credit spreads have also blown out quite a bit because you know emerging Europe is, is you know, one component or one sector within this asset class. So that combination, to our view, does represent an opportunity because yields have risen by a lot. Um, but also, it, we've got the combination of spreads having widened quite a bit. So together, we think that's an opportunity where we'd uh, upgrade our view on the asset class. 
Okay, and I think you know, from from a, a different perspective, obviously, you focus very much the income generating capability of bonds, but we shouldn't forget that we believe that you know, for a multi asset income um, a portfolio, uh, equity, high dividend equities are very important. Uh, components as well, both in terms of short-term um, income, uh, but also in terms of long-term capital appreciation. So, uh, you know, just note that. So maybe just um, risks, right? So, I mean, it, it's on the newspaper's front page almost every day, oil prices going up, making new highs, at least recent highs. Is that something that you're worried about? Uh, it's something we'd watch quite closely. Uh, I, I don't think we, I would say we're, we're very worried about it just yet, but we do think the risk is that oil prices stay elevated or, or potentially even rise a little bit further. Uh, and there are two specific risks that that uh, support that case. First is that we haven't quite seen the response from OPEC or shale oil producers uh, in terms of increasing output in response to where prices are. Uh, that's definitely been slower than we would have expected. And, you know, just following the geopolitical sort of conflict in in Ukraine and the sanctions accompanying it, there is a not insignificant risk that more and more Russian oil becomes inaccessible to buyers around the world. Uh, So those are two factors that do argue, you know, for higher oil prices. So the question is how much? I think that's always the important factor and what we watch closely as a risk. The good news, though, is that while a lot of comparisons are made to 1970, uh, the world economy's energy intensity or the amount of oil required per unit of GDP is a lot lower. Um, you know, one report, of course, said it's almost halved or more since since the 1970s. So clearly, there's more ability to weather an energy price shock. Um, and of course, the move to renewables, if anything, intensifies that. Our takeaway is that, look, it doesn't take away from a broader conclusion that we'd rather be adding to risk today rather than taking away. But you know, there are two ways to hedge against the, the risk of a further rise in oil prices. One, of course, a preference for energy sector equities. Uh, we think they have, of course, benefit from higher oil prices, but they have room just to catch up, if, even if oil prices stay where they are. And second, of course, select uh, commodity currencies, and the Canadian dollar being a great example of one uh, that is correlated with oil prices. Yeah, and I guess if you want to look at the half uh, glass half full, um, you know, higher oil and, and energy prices, um, you know, will encourage people um, to embrace climate change and, and, and greener energy um, forms uh, forms of electricity. So, um, so from that perspective, I think you know this could be seen as as, as a good thing in the big picture. Okay, so th- that's all we have time for today. Um, thanks, Ben Preet, as always, for jumping into the hot seat. Uh, and thank you, listener, for joining us as well. Uh, on Monday, Manpreet will be back with his cut to the chase um, wrap-up of weekend developments and what it means. Meanwhile, I'll be talking to Rajat Bhattacharya about how the world is shaping up from an economic perspective. Hope you're able to join us. In the meantime, thanks again for joining and wishing you a wonderful weekend ahead. Thank you for listening to Standard Chartered Money Insights, a podcast series by Standard Chartered Bank. For more details on the latest market insights, subscribe to Standard Chartered Money Insights.